this is uh, our uh, probably considered officially our third session uh, for um, uh, the doctrine of laying on of hands. Although last week we didn't get uh, in that far into it specifically because we got divinely interrupted by uh, a revelation over uh, another aspect of the scripture. But this week we're back on track. However, we, we, want, we want God to speak to us and we want him to be free to speak to us. Isn't that right? And so we don't have, a, we don't have any restrictions on Holy Spirit. And whatever he wants to do is what we want. But we are, we are making our way through uh, this, uh, this teaching, which is the doctrine of laying on of hands. And uh, we have been looking at uh, uh, the Jacob and him uh, laying hands upon his grandsons, Manasseh, Manasseh and Ephraim. <laughs> Manasseh and, and Ephraim. Glory to God's name. But I want to move on to uh, Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27. So we understand that uh, laying on of hands is, in one sense, in a practical sense, the laying on of hands is really a natural response. We talked about that at the beginning of this class or this series, that uh, when friends see each other, we typically kind of will touch each other on the shoulder, on the arm. It's kind of a, just a natural response uh, for to, to touch in a loving way someone that we are, that we, uh, that are, de that is dear to us. And so uh, we gave the example how a mother, uh, when a child may be sick or what have you, or feeling sick, the first thing the mother would want to do is put her hands on the child head, child's head, and that's kind of just a natural instinct. And so, but in the kingdom of God, this natural response turns more into uh, a response that is spiritual, but also uh, responsible for legacy and continuity in the kingdom. In the Old Testament, we see that the blessing of the father, the father laying hands on the son, or in Jacob's case, the grandson, was it was a it was a natural uh, impartation or symbol and acknowledgement of the inheritance uh, that is given to them. But then, in a spiritual sense, it has a prophetic it has a it has a prophetic uh, implication to it as well. It doesn't tell them just who they are now, but who they shall be. And so, in the church. The art and the ministry of, of laying, the doctrine of laying on, on of hands is how we establish continuity and leadership in the kingdom. It's how we uh, name uh, the next leaders. It's how we acknowledge the next, those who are spiritually anointed uh, or chosen for, uh, for kingdom work. One of the things we look at in the kingdom of God, see, in, 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 and now we have churches, they, the, the, they vote pastors in and vote leaders in, and the deacons control leaders, but that's really not biblical. That is, uh, that is something that, uh, that uh, um, uh, men has just kind of adopted over the years. Really, God chooses leadership. 
Amen. It's God that chooses leadership. I understand why people uh, do and they choose and they and they vote. If we don't get together to vote over anything, it needs to be to discuss who God has chosen. It's not to discuss who we choose. Amen. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. The, the, the presbyters should discuss who God has chosen. And so, but, but in a lot of, den, I say denominal churches, but churches that, uh, that uh, tend to uh, be democratic in nature, uh, uh, they, they choose, they, they identify, and a lot of times they keep having to choose and identify over and over and over and over <laughs> because they choose the wrong ones. And so, but when we let God choose, isn't that something? And so in the Bible, it was God that chose. Glory to God. We saw, we looked at it, I'm not going to go back to it, but we looked at it in, uh, uh, with Jacob and uh, Jacob and, and Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and, uh, and, and Manasseh. Yeah. The older one was supposed to get the right hand. The younger ones get the left hand. The right hand is the, is the greater blessing. The left hand is the lesser blessing. But J- Jacob switched hands and he gave the younger the, the right hand. Because it's who God had chosen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then, hallelujah. Every time I talk about this, I just feel a, a particular kind of anointing. That it doesn't matter where you come from, what, what your last name is, who you're connected to, who your mama is, what kind of degree you have, what your pedigree is. You get what I'm saying? How long you've been in the church. If God has chosen you, you have been chosen. And if God be for you, Hey, who can be against you? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm chosen by God. Hey, the hand of God has been laid on me and I'm chosen by God. Whether you choose me or not, I'm chosen by God. Come on, whether you favor me or not. Hallelujah. I am favored by God. And as long as I please him and as long as I do what he wants me to do, he's going to open a door that no man can shut. Why don't you just prophesy to somebody that's close to you? Tell them, say, neighbor, God is going to open a door that no man can shut. And he's going to close a door that no man can open. You have been chosen by God and his favor is upon your life. Now clap your hands and give him praise for that. Hallelujah. Come on. Give him real praise for it now. Let's, so let's, let's back out of that and let's go to Numbers chapter 27. Yes. Back in the day, the book, they also they chose uh, individuals by casting lots. That's right. That's that was that was how they whatever that uh, man called the dice. Yes. <laughs> whoever, Absolutely. Whoever the dice land in front of, that's who got chosen. Mm-hmm. They that, that's how they that's how they felt like. What you know? What God was each each generation, each phase. You see how they communicated with God and how they got signs from God. You know, uh, when we look at uh, that's such a good example you gave. Uh, yeah, that uh, makes me think about um, uh, when um, David, uh, when he was at Ziklag, on, and uh, he and his uh, the 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 uh, the warriors that came to join him in battle, uh, and they got put the Philistines put them out because they didn't want them to fight with them, and so they went back to Ziklag when they got to Ziklag uh, the Philistines or, or the enemies had come and taken their families and burned their houses and the people uh, 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 Dave, David's army was distraught their family had been taken they got angry with David 
glory to God's name. And they wanted to, they wanted to kill him. And that's why the Bible says, and David had to encourage himself in the Lord, his God, hallelujah. And he didn't know what to do. What he did was he told his, his armor bearer, he said, go and bring me my ephod. And so here is the, here is the magic. I, I call it magic, but it's not magic at all. It's the, it's just the way God uh, chose to respond and, and speak to the priests at that time. They, when they put the ephod on, which is a priestly garment, they had this breastplate that was full of jewels and what is called the Urim and the Thummim. And what happened is they would, what they would do is they would ask God something. And, and, the, and what God would do in response is cause these jewels to light up in a particular pattern. Ooh, Jesus. That's real good. He would cause the light up in a particular pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, this is when David, ooh, I feel something. Oh, it's when that. David said, said to God, he went to God, he says, uh, shall I pursue after this troop? And he says, shall I overtake them? Yeah, yeah. Watch this. I love David's choice of words here because it wasn't, he wasn't asking, can I? He said, I know I can. Can I pursue after this truth? Come on, can I overtake them? He says, I know I can, and I know if I if I pursue them, I know I will, but I want to first know if it's your will. So God, shall I pursue after this truth? Should I go get them? Hey, come on. He says, Shall I pursue after this truth? Shall I overtake them? Come on. And and, and God spoke to them. Come and spoke to him through this Urim and the thumbing. You that'll be a good place for you to research, really good research. And he said, and, and David responded and says, the word of the Lord was, uh, yes, uh, uh, pursue, and thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Ooh, God, look at your neighbor and say, pursue. Oh, y'all got to say it a little better than that. Look at your neighbor and say, pursue, and overtake, and without fail, you shall recover all. That means everything that, that, that was taken from you, you're going to get it back. Everything that the enemy stole from you, he's got to put it back. In fact, the Bible says that if the thief be caught, that he's got to put it back seven times greater. Look at your neighbor and say, it's coming back to you. Greater than when, greater than when you lost it. It's coming back to you. Bigger and better than it was before he took it. God's going to make sure that the enemy puts back everything he stole from you seven times greater seven times greater seven times greater oh come on saints clap your hands and give God thanks for restoration and restitution y'all always getting me off track let's look at numbers chapter 27 yes Glory to God. Numbers chapter 27, verse, uh, verses 18. Let's look at verse 18. Hallelujah. Go ahead and start at 15. I like to start at a decent place. Okay. Verse 15. And Moses said unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which 
and which may go in before them and which may lead them out and which may bring them in that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. Now, that, that, that particular verse 17 is, is chock full of implications. And, and I have, I have this, this uh, problem passing by relevant information. You know, because sometimes you don't know when you're going to get a chance to talk about it again. Yeah. So my thing is don't pass it by, especially in a training environment, you just talk about it. Yeah. So I want to look at this. I want to look at it. So uh, this is Moses. Um, uh, Joshua's appointing a leader uh, by the land on of hand. So Moses is um, saying to God, he says, we, uh, we need to uh, uh, appoint a man over the congregation. Uh, which may go out before the people and which may go in before the people. That going out and in, the, uh, I was raised in, the, in, in classical Pentecost. And some of the language that they would use when they were talking, uh, uh, talking to us about being leaders in the kingdom, they would say, you got to know how to go in and out among the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, that, what does that mean? You have to know how to carry yourself. And know how to present yourself in the midst of the people. You, you don't need to just be gifted and on it. You have yes. to. You have to be mature. Yes. You you need to know when and when not to. Amen. What what not to? What to say? What not to say? When when not to Amen. say it? Amen. And so and so that particular phrase is really speaks to someone who is not just spiritually inclined or gifted, but someone who has been is mature. And have the, has the wisdom of God. Is that coming through? Yes. So he says, we want somebody to go out, need to go, go, that knows how to go in and out among the people, which may bring them in, uh, which may uh, bring them in, and, and the, uh, that the congregation of the Lord uh, be not as a sheep which have no shepherd. Because sheep uh, need a shepherd. Sheep by nature are dumb. And they scatter very easily if nobody's leading them. And they scatter without really knowing. They just kind of, they just stray. You know, their attention just get on into the thing. A little fly can come and just carry them on down before they know the, 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 the fly and took them 10 miles away. You see? And, and, and that's how God types us in, in the church. Sheep. And sheep are, excuse this analogy, is dumb by nature. In terms of easily led astray. So God always wants to have a shepherd over the sheep. This gives me an opportunity to say that every person, every believer in the body of Christ needs a shepherd. Thank you. you. That there is no room for uh, a lone ranger, um, this independent kind of uh, element in the church. That God has ordained and established every leader to have a leader, every believer to have a pastor, which means that you, every, every person should be uh, connected to a body in some way for accountability, for fellowship, for covering, for those things. You understand what I'm saying? They should be connected. While this, this ministry training center is not, a, a, is not uh, typed as a local church, it does 
It does uh, satisfy the the covering need for us. It satisfies the worship need for us. It, it, it satisfies the accountability need, the word need, all of those things. It's just that the, the intricacies of our assignment are a little different from a local church. However, we are the church, and this is a body of believers, and we are connected to the covering of God and the leadership. You understand? Amen. So uh, it is important for all leaders to have leadership. Amen. Amen. All leaders to have leadership. So, uh, so he, he doesn't want the sheep to go in like they don't have any shepherd, you see. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 18, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. Here we go with the laying on of hands. Lay your hand upon him and, uh, and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him. Ooh, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be what? Obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest who shall ask uh, uh, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim, of, of Urim uh, before the Lord at his word shall they go out and at his word shall they come in both he and all the children of Israel with him even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and did what? And laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded him by the hand of Moses. So we see here again, leadership, uh, uh, consecration, ordination here is happening by the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands is the way the church uh, continues or is the way the church should continue. Amen. Now, we do have a problem. Some leaders don't believe in succession. They don't believe in choosing a leader. They don't believe in identifying us who, who God's hand is upon. They just want to die and leave you to fight over it. To figure it out, yeah. which is not the wisdom of God, it's not the nature of God, it's not the order of God, it's not the design of God. That's the, that's straight from the pit of hell. Because why? God is not the author of what confusion. That's exactly what that breeds. So, uh, so this is what God wants. He wants us to begin to lay hands on the next leaders. And watch this. He laid hands on the next leaders. Here is something that we don't see enough of. He lays hands on the next leader. And then here is something very critical in verse 20. And thou shalt put what? Some of thine honor. Come on, did y'all read that? Yeah, yeah. Thou shalt do what? Put what? Some of your honor upon. Don't just give him a title and don't give him no kind of authority. Yes, yes. Don't just give him a title and don't give him no validation in front of the people. Yeah, yeah. Because what happens is, is that they'll let you preach. You know what I'm saying? A little bit. But they get up and tear down everything you just said yes. and embarrass you right in front of people. Yes. 
Now, if you want somebody to lead, you can, and you want the, the congregation to trust them as a leader, the senior leader can't embarrass the next leader in front of the people and expect the, uh, the people to respect them. Am I coming through? And I'm teaching this for you, but more for people that would hear this. So then if a leader, a senior leader is going to ordain and consecrate and begin to uh, establish and train and and matriculate, uh, cause a younger leader to matriculate, he's got to put some of his honor on him. But what we have is a bunch of God, what we have is a bunch of leaders who are insecure can you say insecure? insecure and say help us Lord, help us, Lord. more importantly say, help the church Lord the church cannot thrive under the direction of insecure leaders leaders who have not developed themselves leaders who have not become all they could be leaders who have not explored their other gifts talents expertise until whenever somebody shows up doing what they do immediately they get an identity crisis that's a problem Because if you are father in the kingdom of God, then it should be a part of your, uh, uh, it is a part of your DNA, your job, your legacy, is a part of your legacy to raise up sons and daughters. And you, you should want them to be as good or better than you. And why should they be better? Because they have the benefit of you. See, Judah should be way better than me at whatever I'm good at and whatever he's gotten just by genetic exposure and just by assimilation. He should be better than me. Why? Because he has the benefit of me as his father, but also I should not just be his father. I should be his coach. You know, I should be his mentor and advisor for success. You see, so as it is in the natural, so it should be in the spirit that we should be postured to birth our sons and daughters and posture to make sure that they grow and mature. You see, just like uh, if I'm growing up my son, one day I want him to be grown enough to leave home and get his own house, his own family. And he drives his own car, pays his own bills, yeah. take care of himself. Yeah. That that is an honor that gives honor to me yeah. as a father. Yeah. But in the spirit, we people don't do it the same way. They try to build their own kingdom, and by doing so, what they do is they they end they end up uh, 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 hindering the ministry by trying to stop the sons and daughters, trying not to delegate and give authority and give some of their honor. They, they hinder the flow and the, and the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, they hinder their ministry from thriving. And a lot of these ministries, unless they have a really good administrative team or staff that knows how to grab a hold to the thing after things done, a lot of these ministries die when the senior leader die or it's never the same for sure. You know, it's just it's just wobbly. Right. Why? Because they did not give the adequate honor to those they have chosen yes. to lead. You understand? And, and let me say this just so somebody who's listening and then for you, too. And so it should not just they should not just give. We I should say they we should not just give a uh, 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 um, blessing just for name uh, or just to save face. Or just to be doing something. But there should be an active 
plan to to empower these leaders to become to become the full the full version of themselves. That should be an active plan for leaders to be on a track to begin to develop as leaders in their own right. Amen. And give honor to them. That means if you have you if you have them preach, don't you don't just let them preach when you away. Come on, let them preach. You sit down and listen to them. Yeah. Because because what you the statement you're making to the congregation is that if you sit down and listen to them, then then you're you're saying that this person is has got the goods yeah. so good that I can listen to them. Yeah. You're not necessarily saying that with your mouth, but you're saying that with your action. You're leading. When you're a senior leader, when you're a leader, you're always, you're always leading. Always. Even the way you go through hard times, you're always leading. Even the way how you handle rough times, how you handle dilemmas, how you handle life transitions, how you handle hard situations. You see what I'm saying? However you handle, believe me, you are Leading, And so God is saying that he wants you to understand that you're always. And that's one of the things I live with. I live and understand that my life is a model for ministry and for people so that they will know how to handle it. Because at some point you're going to walk through something. And it might not be the same thing I walked through, but I want something that I was able to do. Something that I said or didn't say. Or some way I handled a situation or didn't handle it. Would become a, uh, would become a, um, an example for you in some way in your hard time. In your struggle, that's one of the reasons why when I, after I've gone through my processes the last several months, year, whatever, that as you notice, if you notice that I've been very strategic in terms of how I have I've communicated to our team, because and and just let me share this: um, when you go through a human experience as a leader, uh, it is important for people who who you lead to be able to, yes, see you as a human being. However, they don't necessarily want to see you just out of it. You know what I'm saying? So there's a fine line that you have to walk. They do need to see you as a human. However, they do also need to see you overcoming and thriving. You get what I'm saying? Because nobody want to follow no, no weakling. You know, they can't go through nothing. You know what I'm saying? And it's not that you have to act like it's not affecting you. But you you display that through your behavior, your choices to keep moving. Your responses to the things of God. Your responses to your assignment, you know? And so and so as you as you go through, you grow through and you become and you understand that you are the example. And if you never lead a church, you always have a new believer that you should be discipling. And that person, those people become those, the people that you lead and you're responsible for. And how you walk through is how they're going to walk through. You're going to be the pattern. Does anybody sow in here? Amen. You're going to be the pattern. You'll be the pattern for what it should be. Is that good? That's good.
So I love that, uh, that, that Moses shows us this, that he's laying hands on Joshua because Joshua is next in line. Yes. And he does it by the laying on of hands. So the, doc, the laying on of hands, the, the first and most important, the Old Testament structure of laying on of hands is for legacy. It's, it's, for, it's for ordination, consecration. It's for leadership, establishment, authority. It's for impartation and wisdom. It's for the blessing of the, the, uh, the father to the son, a pronouncement of a blessing. So the doctrine of laying on of hands, it is, it is always mostly uh, accom- accompanied by a prayer, accompanied by a prophetic word, or accompanied by a declaration, okay? And so that is indeed uh, probably a complete picture of the, uh, uh, the, the laying on of hands and how it was utilized in the Old Testament, okay? Let's look at this. Uh, mm, 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 mm. Let's look at one more scripture in uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 34. <laughs> Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Also, Pastor, uh, wasn't Aaron living then when, when this was having taken place? Uh, Aaron, Aaron, yes, I believe so. Mm-hmm. And I was reading in the Old Testament, I'm in the Old Testament now, I'm reading, I'm going from the then. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Moses went to the mountain, uh, Joshua was there. Mm-hmm. That's right. And he. He couldn't go, he, was, he could only go so far. Mm-hmm. But I think God chose Joshua because uh, Joshua would be next in line. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yes, indeed. Yes, he would. Look at this. You bring up a hold on to that Deuteronomy 34. You're always doing something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's look at this uh, Deuteronomy. Mm. Arabasoto. Uh, Deuteronomy. It's like the last, I think, the last chapter of Deuteronomy, which that should be it. Deuteronomy 34. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so watch this. Uh, verse number five. Let's look at verse five. Moses, Mo- Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. This is this is Deuteronomy chapter thirty-four, verse number five. Moses, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. Okay, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. That he there, he buried him, is God buried Moses. So you find out when you do your research on Moses, you find out that Moses was a friend of God. God and Moses were friends. In fact, he's the only one that's recorded where he talks to Moses face to face. Okay? Which is impressive. Yeah. Moses now also has influence with God. When, Mo, when God gets, gets, gets uh, irritated with the children of Israel and say, I'm going to kill them all. Because they, ooh, 
He, he pretty much says, I'm going to kill them all because they're just, they, they, they're just disobedient and stiff-necked. He calls them heifers and everything. You know, he does. And, and Moses said, no, you're not. No. He says, because you can't kill them. And I'm going to tell you why you can't kill them. The reason why you can't kill them is because you've already said you're going to bring them into the land. Yeah. And so the, 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 your enemies will say, if you kill them, your enemies will say, because you are not able to do what you said. And bring them into the land that flows with milk and honey. You killed them in the, in, in, the, in the wilderness to get yourself off the hook in so many words. He says, so then, he said, you cannot kill them. And, and God, God complied. He said, yes, you're right. He said, but I'll tell you what I am going to do. He said, I'm getting ready to put them in a cycle for 40 years until every one of those disobedient heads die. And then he said, everybody that's 21, and, uh, that's under 21, got to, right now, got to die before I let them out this cycle. Come on. Yeah. Except for, you know, Joshua and Caleb, you know. And so, uh, because Joshua and Caleb, they, um, they, they believe God. Yeah. And so Joshua and Caleb was the only two of the original that, that made it out because they believed God because of their faith. But the rest of them had to die. Okay, and then he brought in a new breed, those new children of Israel. So, uh, but I'm, I'm getting off on another track. So Moses and God were friends, and and so God didn't even God Moses was a friend of God. God didn't even trust the children of Israel, Israel with Moses's body. God God buried Moses. He hid Moses in a secret place, and the Bible says that don't nobody even know till this day. Woo! So, so that a friend love it at all times, and a friend will cover. Yeah. Come on, yes, sir. And also, now you said uh, nobody saw God with Moses, but now when God, when Moses asked God to show me your glory, uh huh, uh huh, and God said, "Okay," said, "I'm gonna pass by it. I'm gonna put my hands over your face. Yeah, so it won't kill you." Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because because God knew, and when it talks, when it comes to His glory, you know, a human can't handle it. Come on, you know, not it's got to be it's got to be filtered. Yeah, you see. Yeah. But let's look at this. So, um, uh, 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 the Bible says he bear and uh, verse seven, and Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. Mm. When his his eyes was not dim. Come on, y'all. Come on. His eyes were not dim. Nor his natural force abated. That means he was just as good at 120 as he was at 20. At 30. Come on. How God preserved him. Here's another thing. Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. When you give your life over to God, and when you allow God to leave your lead your life, he will preserve you. God can and will preserve you for your assignment. Come on. That's right. He will preserve you for your assignment. You know, he will preserve you for your assignment. And so all the leaders, the ministers, a lot of times, let me say this too. A lot of times as ministers and leaders, you don't get the blessing like everybody else get the blessing. Others that you minister to get blessed before you. 
Others that you minister to get the breakthrough and you hope you want the breakthrough yourself. Yeah. You know, people, you pray them through to a miracle and leave that needing one for yourself. Yes, and so a lot of times you as the catalyst for the move of God as a leader, you seem like you're left out. It, it was it was like that for the for the uh, the priests, the Levites. They didn't get their own land when they when 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 they start divvying out the land for the children of Israel. Each tribe got a certain amount of land. The priests didn't get no land. They had to eat off of what the what the, the, the children of Israel, the Levites or the other people brought to them as an offering. Yes, yes, yes. But, I'm going to tell you something. When you work for God, God will work for you. Yes. When you work for God, He will sustain you. Yeah. He will preserve you. Yeah. He will cover you. The God will do things for you that you cannot do for yourself. And here we see Moses was sustained. At 120 years old, his eyes were not dim. The natural things that usually happen to with age did not happen with Moses. Why? Because God sustained him. Come on. He was, he was consistently in communication and in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, there's what? Fullness of joy. And that's right here, and pleasures forevermore. It just teaches us that while God is, you know, things are different and not everybody's going to live for 120 years old. But what you need to know is your relationship and your connection with God as a leader, as a person who has given your life for the kingdom of God, God will sustain you. So it's not a big thing if your body gets attacked with a sickness. Holly, you, have a, you should have an expectation as a God. Thank you for my healing. I know you're going to do it. Yeah. What a, what a, there's a there's a guy on the uh on the internet. He he's on there saying he's he's a little comedian. He says, "I know you can do it." <laughs> so you have to have that expectation that God is already done. That I make my request known unto God, and then I walk in expectation. Come on, I walk in expectation. It doesn't mean that He's gonna always do a supernatural, but however He chooses to do it. It's going to be done, yeah. and it's going to be good for me. Yeah. It's going to be right. It's going to be good. Yeah. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. 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 So watch this. In verse number eight, I'm almost out of time. In verse number eight, uh, the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plain of Moab 30 days. So uh, the days of, of uh, and so, so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of what? Wisdom. Full of the spirit of what? Wisdom. Uh-huh. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded him. Look at that. So Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of what? Wisdom. Wisdom. So every leader, watch this, listen to me, hear me good. Every leader should not just have the spirit of God as in having the Holy Ghost, but every leader also needs the spirit of what? Wisdom. So when we pray, when we pray, we should ask God for, for the spirit of wisdom so that so that we... And, and to me, that goes enough, enough both ways. Uh-huh. Um, had not Moses laid hands on him, would he have had wisdom? <laughs> yeah. If, if, if Moses had not laid hands mm -hmm. on him, would he have had that wisdom? Would he have? Oh. Because sometimes people are. Hey, that is a that is a good that. 
properly, not mm -hmm. proper, not have hands on them, laid on them properly, and so they don't have. And so I'm looking at this, and for what if he didn't lay hands on Joshua? You I, I would had say he probably would have wisdom, but not to the extent that he need to lead God for that people. capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep. He said because he laid hands yeah, because, on yes, sir. he had wisdom. And I, that, that's very, you know, I experienced that. Yeah. You know, the pastor, I was a great pastor, but he did not appoint a successor. And by doing that, uh, like the pastor was saying, uh, People walked off. People uh, had odds. Didn't like this person in the first place, and uh, it was just one thing right after another. So he just wound down to just to have people put people staying. And and what was really hurting that the people that really I'm say I'm say the pillars of the church are the elderly people in the church. Mm -hmm. They gonna stay there when the, when the area when they just leave. That's true. And those one that you got to really adhere to. Mm -hmm. uh, they they the one built the church. Yep. Youngsters and come late. <laughs> hey, it, it is true. It's the, true. The, 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 the cornerstone church of the, the your elders. The elders, right? And and that's and and that, that brings back to a point in the Bible where I think it was David was asked to seek the counsel of the elders. Mm -hmm. He seek sought the counsel of young men, and that destroyed. Uh, the continuity that he had with God mm -hmm. and with the others too and the people suffered because he did not wow. counsel wisdom of the Mm -hmm. It's true it, because we need we need that wisdom, and one of the things we need to understand. So, so you talked about be, uh, the spirit of well, he was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid hands on him. There is a, there is a, there is that that's a that's proof of the impartation oh, that happens yes, yes. in the land of hands. So he was able to impart yes. that spirit of wisdom into uh, into uh, uh, Joshua. So it was. It wasn't just. It wasn't just a um, uh, just uh, a uh, a laying on of hands. Just you know, just a blessing. But it was an impartation. Not only that, uh, Joshua was, was Moses's minister, or if you want to call him, he was Mo. He was Moses's armor bearer. So then he got a divine impartation just from being in the space with him, serving his ministry. There's a there's an impartation that happens from the gift with the gift and and the anointing that happens in service to a specific anointing. So you see that with Elijah and Elisha. So then the spirit of wisdom is on Joshua one because God has identified Joshua as a as as a person that should be uh, uh, take, taking Moses's place. Not only that. Joshua now has served Moses and he's been in the zone to receive that impartation and he's ready. He know he's, he's it, it, see the thing, the, the sweet thing about Joshua is that Joshua was born. He, he got the mentorship of the old school with the understanding and clarity of the new school and, and what is needed to lead the new generation. And he was able to merge the two things together to bring what was good about the old school into this moment and lead the children of Israel into their promise. Yes, sir. Good. Okay. So then uh, it says Moses is full of, full of the spirit of wisdom for, uh, I mean, Joshua is full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands upon him and the children of Israel hearkened unto him 
and did as the Lord commanded Moses. See, in the, in the, in, in the Old Testament, the people didn't buck, buck up against God's choice. You know? And so that's what I was saying before. This, this man choosing leadership and people hiring and firing and, and, and deacons controlling the, the pastor and all of this is not God's design. Now, there, do, there does need to be a, like elders, board of elders and organization. But as again, they should not be deciding who they want. They should be discussing and coming to agreement about who God wants. And so that takes people who are connected to God, a a team of people who are fasting, praying, hearing the voice of God, have have a team of people that's got the, that have, they they themselves have the wisdom of God. Okay. And we don't have that in these churches anymore. Did you hear me? I said, we don't have me. And we used to talk about the Baptist churches and stuff. But I'm going to tell you, in the Pentecostal churches, we don't have this no more. You know, these demons, oh, you got boys full of devils. You know, they're self-serving. They're mean, egotistical, and bratish. Self-centered. Boastful. You know what I'm saying? Prideful. Arrogant. All about me, 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 me. I, 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 I. You know? Yeah. The devil is a liar. It's all about God. And God is calling leaders back to account and saying, I need you to be God-centered. God-centered. It's not about you, boo. It's not about you. It is about God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. I'm out of time uh, for this week. Uh, I do want to look at one more thing very quickly. Uh, let's look at it just a moment. The old, the New Testament. Yes, you had a question. Is that just, I mean, the verse ten says, and there arose not. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Face to face. That's right. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and on all that mighty hand. Come on. And in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. You know, God, re- you know, Moses was somebody, he was the, he was the, he was the greatest pastor ever. Yeah. You know, he pastored the largest, largest church ever. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. He, he was, he was a pastor. He was the pastor of a million and a half people. Yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And see, the thing about it is, but, but look at how Moses was raised. Moses was put in a basket mm-hmm. on the Nile for fear that he would be killed because they had an order to kill all the Hebrew children. Yes. Woo, I got to talk about this. Yes. What about yes. si? For fear that all the Hebrew boys would die. Yeah. That there was an order from the Pharaoh. Yes, Moses, the Bible says that, read it, Moses' mother hid him in the house. Woo, Jesus. And then it reads something like this. And the child grew. Uh And when he could no longer be hidden in the house. Oh, Jesus. See, sometimes in your in your leadership, even in sometimes this is true in in the spirit as you grow in God, as you're developing your spiritual gifts. But also in your career, it's the same way in your career, on your job. It seems like you're hidden in the house. 
you're growing, you're good, you got all of these gifts and talents, expertise, you're hidden. And it seems like you are being hidden and oppressed and seems like you've been threatened. Your life is being threatened. To kid, they want, they'd rather kill you than, than let you be what God wants you to be. The Bible says when he could no longer be hidden. I'm going to tell you something. I got to prophesy that some of y'all can no longer be hidden. That God is about to reveal you and bring you out in the open. And he's about to bless your life and favor you. And God is about to give you favor. Hey, you already got favor with God, but he's getting ready to give you favor with man. Oh, somebody better praise God over that. I said God's about to give you favor with man. Can I prophesy to you and tell you that God's about to raise up somebody that you don't even know, but they're going to open a door for you. They're going to speak up on your behalf. They're going to cause you to emerge. And ain't nothing the devil going to be able to do about it. Why? Because God has ordered it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, God has ordered it. Tell somebody else, God has ordered it. Come on, the Bible says that, God, I feel like preaching. When, when, when Moses could no longer be hidden in the house. You see, so, so this person who is one, who is one day going to be the greatest pastor on earth and a friend of God. Starts out with his life being threatened. Come on. Every great man or woman of God that's worth any amount of anything always goes through a story where your life has been threatened, where your ministry has been threatened, where your career has been threatened, where you thought that at any moment you would be wiped out. At any moment you could just be wiped out, but, but God sustains you. Anybody in here got the testimony that I've been on the edge before? But God sustained me. I can't really articulate to you how I got out. But all I know is that I got out. And when I came out, I came out with my mind right. Come on, I should have been crazy, but he held me together. Come on, I should have lost my mind, but he held me together. I should have lost everything I had, but he held me together. So if I had to really tell you how, I couldn't. All I can tell you is when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out hallelujah. All I can tell you is that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I would have been swallowed up. All I can tell you is that he that has begun a good work in me shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. All I can tell you is that by this I know that the Lord is with me because he didn't let my enemies triumph over me. Look at your neighbor and say neighbor, all I know is that the Lord is on my side. Now clap your hands and shout hallelujah in all I know. So don't think you're going to be great and not pay something. So then Moses, now I got to go because I got to clock out. <laughs> Moses is great. He starts out. He starts out being threatened. His mother, who's now the steward over his anointing over his gift she 
She has to put Moses on the Nile River in a basket. So now he's placed in a basket. He's too young to really know where he is. But God's divine providence, divine covering, his destiny and purpose, you know, directed the currents of the water. And the Bible says that when she put him over the over in the basket and put him in the Nile. Yeah. Now in the Nile, every creepy thing is in the Nile. Yeah. And, and, and anything could have happened that could have turned that basket over and could have eaten that baby up but God. In the time you were in the greatest danger, you were always under the greatest protection. Lord have mercy. I got to tell somebody that. That in the moment you've been in the greatest danger, you can rest assured you've been under the greatest protection. Because he says, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, y'all ain't gonna help me, but I'm gonna help myself. You don't have to fear no evil because the Lord is with you. Lean over to your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, the Lord is with me. Lord have mercy. And so the Bible says that she put him on that Nile River and she watched that boat, the basket until it floated out of sight. Now look at Moses' mother. I'm sure she had a hard time putting her baby in that basket and putting that basket in that river. And she felt like she was being a bad mother. But all she knew is that it was the only thing she could do. Hallelujah to keep them from killing her baby. But I could imagine she prayed a prayer that says God cover my baby and God bring him back to me. Lord have mercy. See whatever you give up for God it's going to come back to you. If you be faithful over a few things he's going to make you ruler over many and you may experience temporary loss but I'm telling you God's going to restore the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the caterpillar has eaten them. And the Bible says, Lord have mercy, that God directed the currents of that water. And, and Moses' basket pulled up, Lord have mercy, right by Pharaoh's house. And in the name of Jesus, Pharaoh's daughter was out there bathing. And God got in the daughter. And she said, what is that I see? And the Bible says she had the basket fished out of the river. And when she opened up the basket, there was a baby. And just as God would have it, God made Pharaoh's daughter fall in love with Moses. It was not just because he was a little bitty baby, but this was God's divine assignment. His divine assignment for Moses. See, God is always working on this to set you up for that. Everything you're going through right now is in preparation for you to reign and rule. Lord have mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor. I said, say, hey, neighbor. No matter what you're going through right now, you're in preparation to reign and rule. Oh, y'all ain't gonna help me. You're getting ready to reign. It might seem like 
this is for nothing. It might seem like you're going through something for nothing. But the devil is a liar. Nothing you go through will be wasted. Everything you go through will come out. And it will be good and very good. And you will say like Paul, it was good that I was afflicted. Lord have mercy. Had I not been afflicted, I would not know God like I know him. Lord, I gotta finish this. And the Bible says that she fished him out of the water. She said, I'm gonna name him Moses. Because Moses' name means drawn out. Lord have mercy. I gotta tell somebody in this room that the anointing of Moses is on your life that you're about to be drawn out drawn out of the crazy situation you've been in you're about to be drawn out out of poverty and out of lack you're about to be drawn out out of the struggle that you've been in into a blessed place into a place of abundance into a place of wealth into a place of health into a place of overflow somebody open up your mouth and shout overflow y'all ain't crazy enough for me the bible says that she now fell in love with Moses. She knew that Moses was a Hebrew. But because she was Pharaoh's daughter, she knew that in spite of the order that had been given to kill the boys, the Hebrew boys, that 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 that, that her father would keep this one alive. But they didn't know that the same place that had issued uh, an assassination yeah. order, God turned it around where it became the, the incubation for life. And the Pharaoh's court that had issued an order to have them killed. Finance, look, finance their training. His, his, his training for reigning. Lord have mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, you're in training for reigning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And God's going to make your enemies pay for it. I said, and God's going to make your enemies pay for it. They're not going to know what they're doing. But Pharaoh took good care of Moses. Moses was raised up with the finest of everything. Lord have mercy. He ate the finest of food. Wore the finest of clothes. He lived the life on the top. And the devil thought that he would take him out. But it was a setup for a step up. Look at your neighbors that you've been set up for a step up. A new glory is about to hit your life and hit your house. Somebody open your mouth and shout I'm all out of time, but but God now allowed Moses to be raised up right there in Egypt. And then get this. She knew that this is that that uh, this baby needed milk and needed to be cared for. And while she loved the baby, she wasn't the type to just be sitting up caring, take my take care of no baby. So she went down there to the Hebrew women. <laughs> 
Yeah. And just and just picked a woman. I need I need you to keep you just you look like you you good at at, at taking care of babies. Come on, come on up in here. I need you to take care of this baby I found on the water. And Moses' mother didn't exchange no words. Because, because God had already fixed it. Because she thought that she had lost her son. But because she trusted God with her baby. Can you trust God with your career? Can you trust God with your ministry? Can you trust God with your business? Can you trust God with your dream? And while it seems like it's about to be overtaken, can you say, God, I trust you in spite of what it looks like? Can you say, God, I trust you in spite of what it sounds like? Can you say, God, I trust you that you have begun a good work in me and you're going to bless me and you're going to restore everything I've lost and it's going to be bigger and better and greater than it ever could have been. Somebody give God a 60 second praise because God's going to turn it in your favor. Give him a praise. He's going to turn it in your favor. I dare you to give him praise. He's going to
$100 seed that's important for us but you give the best seed that you can but seed, sow a seed that is commensurate to the word of God, the move of God if you want to give by uh, cash app, you can send cash app to dollar sign love city TC dollar sign love city TC uh, please sow and be a blessing to our ministry training center, this is the time for us to be blessing. Amen. Amen. So, so tonight. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Clap your hands and give God praise. You know, I feel a good old fashioned revival. A good old fashioned Holy Ghost revival. That's what I feel. You know, that's what we need. You know, I was sharing with a friend of mine earlier today, and I'm going to get into the last part of this because we're already uh, moving uh, past our time, but we spend a little more time in worship. He's worthy of the praise. And so I was sharing with a friend of mine earlier today that the saints, if, 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 
if Corona would have showed up in the 90s, yeah. oh, he would have been in trouble. <laughs> or she, whoever. Because the saints would have been shutting in and, and doing prayer walks and, and, and praising him. You know, we'd be handling it just like we handled it tonight. We'd be yes, praising him. Believing, believing the word of God that says no plague shall come nigh your dwelling. Mm -hmm. That a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand, you know, prophet has been teaching this on the prayer line. Thousands shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. This is the time where the church has got to prevail. I said we don't have no choice. We have got to prevail. And we've got to bring forth and show forth and we got to show forth the truth of God. Yes, and the God. truth of God is that, uh, that that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. And that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Yes, and that it is God that causes us to triumph. Yes, we are victorious. Yes, Do you believe that tonight? Yes. Clap your hands and give God a real praise. Hallelujah. 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 All right, let's move expeditiously to what I believe would be the final, uh, the final uh, episode of uh, this teaching. Uh, on the doctrine of laying on of hands. We want to really finish this up because uh, we've gone with this uh, longer than I planned. And you know, uh, my attention span for uh, teachings is probably about four to five weeks. And then I got to move on to another part. And so, but we always get hung up on stuff. But it's good stuff, huh? Amen. It's good stuff. So, uh, Let's look at this last part of laying on of hands, really, as we see laying on of hands in the New Testament. Glory to God's name, as we see laying on of hands in the New Testament. Hmm. Let's look and see where we're going to start today. Glory to God. We're going to make it. We're going to get through this. It's our season to live. Hmm. Yes. Lord. mm mm Let's look at Mark chapter 16. Hallelujah. We'll go back to Mark chapter 16. Glory to God's name. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We may do a verse or two before that. Let's see. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I feel something. Glory to God's name. When you have it, say amen. 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 Uh, verse number 15. We, we, we went over this last week. Let's just start back here. Verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be what? Saved. And he that believeth not shall be what? Damn. Oh, yeah. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall uh, speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents. And it shall not harm them. And they, if they drink any deadly thing. Hold on, let me go back. Uh, they shall take up ser serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick 
and they shall recover. Primarily in the New Testament, we see uh, the uh, the uh, practice of laying of hands is primarily for healing, uh, deliverance, and uh, the infilling and receiving of the Holy Ghost. And as as opposed to the New Testament, although we don't have to uh, let go of the, the, the reasons or the purposes that the New Testament initiated the laying on of hands because it's still applicable in the, in the New Testament. I should say in the Old, the Old Testament uh, purpose and practice for laying on of hands should not be done away with. It should be, it should be a carryover to the New Testament. Amen. But in addition to uh, laying on, on hands for legacy and inheritance and impartation for authority and position and consecration and ordination, it should be we should lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's a, it's a part of our, um, our DNA as believers. Through the Holy Spirit, we have the power to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we talked about that last week. And one of the places where we really uh, we really reiterated was uh, um, when we're when we're laying hands on the sick, that is important for us to communicate to the person who is re- who is uh, receiving the healing or ready to receive the healing, the importance of forgiveness and repentance. Amen. Those are two. Those are two primary things. Maybe there's some other things, but that you will find that they're probably unique to uh, the person. But generally speaking, uh, repentance for any sins committed, and there's always some. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and forgiveness, because unforgiveness is a sin, but it also it also separates us from God, and it and it and it violates. Uh, the blessings of the Lord. God says, if you don't forgive them, man, their trespasses, then I cannot forgive you your trespasses. Somebody said, that's a problem. That's a problem. problem. So you don't want anybody to be holding up your blessing. So you need to forgive them, release them and let them go. Hallelujah. Say, forgive them, them. release them them. and let them go. go. Say it again. Forgive them, them. release them them. and let them go. Listen to this. Jesus then goes on to, to immediately to enumerate the five supernatural signs, um, signs uh, ending uh, with the healing, the sick and through the laying on of hands. This indicate that each one of these supernatural signs, including the healing of the sick, is intended by God to bear testimony to the divine truth and authority of the gospel message in places where this message has not previously been heard. This is in line with the account of the disciples, the evangelistic activity which, uh, with which Mark's gospel closes at Mark 16 and 20. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. That's Mark 11, I mean Mark 16 and 20. Uh, let me read it again. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. This indicates that the primary purpose of the supernatural signs, including the healing of the sick through the laying on of hands, is to confirm the truth of of the gospel message. The truth of the gospel message among people who have not previously accepted it. It seems clear. 
therefore, that the message of ministering to the sick through the laying on of hands in the name of Jesus is primarily intended not for established Christians who are members of the church, but rather for the unconverted or for those who have newly come to the faith. In what way will the healing uh, come as as a result of the laying on of hands? The scripture does not give any precise or detailed answer to this question. Jesus says merely they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In place of the phrase, they will recover, we might translate alternatively, they will become well. Or more simply still, they will be well. Okay? We should lay hands on the sick and they will become well. Or they will be well. It doesn't mean that every time they'll get immediately all together uh, spontaneously better, although we've seen that happen in, in miracles. But what we declare is that they will be well. After that point of you laying hands and through faith and declaring the healing virtue of God and praying for them, they will be well. Why? Because it's one of the signs that follows us that believe that we should lay hands on the sick. Who can lay hands on the sick? Uh, I, I started talking about this last week. In each church, it's different sometimes. Some churches, uh, the, the, uh, the senior, senior leadership establishes who can practice laying hands. And I understand why, because uh, the, the practice and ministry of laying on of hands can become uh, uh, random and out of order if people are not taught how to lay hands, when and where, and, and don't know how to uh, align themselves with the order of God. Some people get excited and they feel like just because they feel like they can lay, they should lay hands, they should do it right then and there or they should create a spectacle or what have you. But you have to be in order, do all things decently and in order because God is not the author of what? Confusion. Confusion. Let's talk about that for a minute. What is the appropriate way and the appropriate time? It's, it, it, it's situational. It's uh, circumstantial. Let's say you are uh, in a service and the worship services. It's going on and it's a person that, you know, or maybe you don't know that in a in a in a um, in an apostolic fivefold ministry house it's very possible that when we begin to worship, then the prophetic portals become open. Uh, the portals of healing and deliverance come open. And it's very likely that God will begin to use uh, those of us even in our pews to discern those who are near us who need a breakthrough. And so depending on the arrangement or the or the um, the rules of the house, you have to function in this house. uh, I don't necessarily uh, like to see random people who are who who we don't know just randomly laying hands. So that's one of the things that you have to remember. If you are not a member of a particular church or 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 ministry, then it's out of order to just begin to lay hands on people just because you felt like God told you to do it. Can you hear me? Amen. Unless, of course, the leadership has released you or released the people to minister to each other, then that's different. But if you sit in a, in a church or in a, um, in, a, in a service and somebody next to you or behind you or across the aisle is going through something, you just get happy. You feel like they need to deliver. You just jump over. You just jump up and go lay hands on. That's out of order. Okay, and and the leadership is within his or her right to 
to to get you it together. You understand? Old, old school church, they get you right on together, right where you stand. That's right. Uh-huh. And so you don't do that. The Bible talks about lay hands suddenly on no man, although the first application of that scripture is not in this context. The first application of that scripture that says lay hands suddenly on no man really deals with uh, ordaining people before they're mature enough to to handle the ordination or the consecration. So the, the first application of the scripture says lay hands suddenly on no man it has to deal with putting hands on novices or people that are inexperienced for positions that ex- experience is necessary. So that suddenly means don't ordain people too quickly. All right, that's good. Give them time to grow into the mantle. Amen. So maybe the second and third application that can be applied to that particular scripture is the fact that you should not lay hands suddenly on no man, the act of laying hands to pray for them. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the, the primary ones are uh, because it's out of order to just arbitrarily lay hands on somebody without them understanding why, especially in a day like this. Now, if it's your child, your husband, your wife, your uh, brother, sister in Christ that you're connected to. Now, that's different. They, are, they, they know that they understand that communication. But we're primarily talking about people who are not of your culture, your church culture, or people who are not in your environment don't understand what you do. It's important that you communicate that. You always win if you communicate it Amen. Amen. and make sure they understand it. And you don't have to let other people just lay hands on you if you don't want them to. Amen. Okay? Because, okay, I've, I've seen people, I've had people come lay hands on me that instantly I didn't agree with. And what I would do, because I did not want to embarrass them. I didn't want to embarrass them because that's important too. I didn't want to embarrass them. I didn't want to make a spectacle, but at the same time, I wanted to find a way to remove their hand. What I would do is they would lay hands on me and I just grab their hands and I just hold their hands like this, yeah. really tight. Like I'm just, ooh, just taking away. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like I just, I just grab their hand. I just grab their hand. Like if they put their hands, I'll just grab their hand. I'd be like, oh, you know, real tight. And then give it a moment and let the moment pass. And then once I let their hands go, I would also back up to communicate, this is it. Okay. I'm, I grab your hand because I don't want your hands on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you don't have to do that and make a spectacle. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? But you can be respectful. Yes, uh, Elder Melba. Someone, I was in the restaurant, walked in, Brian and I, trying to put our meal down on the table. And this lady just came over and laid her hands on me. And you didn't know her? I didn't know her. Oh. She started telling me all about what's in me and whatever and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. Right. But she had already laid her hands on right. me. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, then she... Saying what she said, she taking it off and you know. Yeah, but you didn't like it. And see, that's the whole thing. And so some people will catch you off guard, and so you do. You do want to be careful about where you are when they do so. What's going on? Because you don't want to make a spectacle. So what? One safe thing to do is somebody laying hands on you. You can just start pleading the blood of Jesus mm-hmm. over yourself, mm-hmm. so that there's no transfer of because spirits transfer. And uh, just like you can impart a blessing, people can impart a demon. Like this, old, this lady in my old church years ago. 
She didn't say Dima. She said Dima. I said Dima. And so you can't. And so you want to plead the blood of Jesus to cover yourself. And so you, you ask God for wisdom in that moment. But uh, and then it's you well within your right to say no, thank you. You know, no, thank you. And I've had people to tell me no, thank you. You know, when I was praying for them and I would call them out because I felt like God would have, have a word for them. And they didn't they didn't want to receive that. They didn't. I said, do you mind if I lay hands on? And it was like, no. I was like, amen. Very fine. Very good. You know, and I'm going to the next person. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not in very. I'm <laughs> she was just so fast. like, oh, yes, I'm going to be real fast. <laughs> she was snappy. <laughs> Let's look at this. Um, so. Be careful with uh, laying hands on people without them understanding why and knowing why. You're not going to lose the anointing by taking the time to tell them. Amen. Okay? Amen. We got to do all that, especially at a time like this because people sue people now for harassment, yeah. sexual harassment, yeah. uh, all kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I don't want to lay hands on nobody. On nobody for nothing. You know, unless they ask Albert, and then I'm real light, you know. Mm. I'll be real light with them. Oh, I'd put the hand right here. I'd, <laughs> I'd take my hand, I'd put the hand right here. Because people, people wear wigs and weaves and stuff now, too. And, and they don't want you having your hand all on their head because you was pulling. I done seen that happen where this lady was getting prayed for, and the pastor was like, Ah, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And she was up under the tummy something. She would she would pulling a wig down while he was praying for. Her. She was going, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I said, ain't no breakthrough happen nowhere, because she she was worried about that wig. You have to be con- conscious of that. Amen. There, those things can get in get in the way of God of the moving of God. All right, so let's look at this. Um, glory to God's name. Did we look at this already? Let's look at James, James, chapter number five, James, chapter number five, James five and verse 14, James chapter five, verse 14, glory to God, glory to God's name. Mm-hmm. James chapter 5 what I say verse 14 when you have it say amen, amen. let's look at this let's look at verse uh, let's start at verse 12 okay but above all things my brethren swear not neither by heaven neither by earth neither by any other oath but let your yea be yea and your nay nay lest ye fall into what condemnation. You remember he was like, I swear, I swear for God. I swear on my grandmama grave. I swear. You know, most people that do all of that, they learn. <laughs> you know, they got to do all of that. Yeah. You know, you get any questions, they tell the truth. Not everybody, not all the time, but I'm just saying. The Bible's saying, just be clear, you know. Let your yay be, just, just say what you got to say. <laughs> just say what you got to say. Verse 13 says, is any among you afflicted? Watch this. Let him pray. That's the other thing. You have to be discerning when it comes time for you to, whether you're going to pray for somebody. It's not for you to lay hands on everybody. 
Can you say that? Can, can, can I say that again? It is, you don't have to lay hands on everybody. You need to you need to de- you need to determine if they are afflicted or are they sick. What's the difference? What's the difference in being afflicted? Okay, the difference in being afflicted. Afflicted is uh, distress, suffering, hardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is reference to uh, the any trouble other than sickness. Any trouble other than sickness. That's afflicted. So watch this. And this, this brings some real clarity to this now. It says, if, if they are afflicted, is any afflicted among you? Here's, here's, uh, uh, the, uh, James, uh, the book of James is teaching this. Is, is any, any among you afflicted? Then it says, let him pray. Okay? Amen. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Okay? All right? Watch this. Let's, let's unpack that for a moment. If they are afflicted, any other hardship other than sickness, what are we going to do? Let them pray. So how do you handle that in practicality and in performance? How do you handle that? You say, well, sis, you say, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? So, well, sis, what's wrong? Well, I'm just going through a rough time, you know. Going through a rough time. You say, well, are you sick? No, I'm not sick. I'm just, I'm having a hard time. Having a real, real hard, real, real hard. Okay. So the Bible says, let him pray. So then what is the, how how do we handle this appropriately? So then it is appropriate for you to pray. You can always pray for people, you know, but the Bible teaches if they're afflicted, let them pray. Not, not send them on and say, go pray somewhere. Not that. It is say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in agreement with you. I'm going to let you pray and I'm going to agree. You begin to pray and let God and tell God what you need and what you need. And I'm going to come into it is right there where you use the prayer of agreement. But you let them pray and you come into agreement with their prayer. All right. That's good. Is that good? That's good. Yeah. What if they say I want you to pray? Well, you you tell her I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. I want you to lead the prayer because because this is something. And take them to take them to James. James chapter five, you can get, you can teach them something because see, here's the deal. The average believer thinks that the preacher or the elder should pray for them for anything and everything. And we've done that. And that's the reason why most of us are worn out. It is not Bible for us to pray for anything and everything. Now it's no violation if we do, but if we're violating something that the Bible teaches, then we, we can't expect to be preserved when we're doing something to uh, to wear ourselves out. We got to teach people. All right. And I'm going to tell you, if you start teaching people and holding them accountable to praying, they will quit calling you for everything. Oh, y'all don't hear me now. Oh, y'all don't hear me now. They will quit calling you for everything. Amen. They won't call you for their knees and, they, and then their ankles and their elbows. <laughs> oh, I woke up this morning and I had this little knot in my neck. Uh, can you pray for this? Hebrew, oh yeah, and while you was praying, I felt a I felt a little pain down in my lower back. Can you pray for that too? Oh yeah, and I don't got this little corn on my on my toe. Can you pray? No, uh-uh. Be like, no, we're not praying for all of that. We're gonna pray one good sweeping prayer. We're gonna yeah. say, Lord, do it. Now go believe God. Exactly. <laughs> no, but seriously, you know, but if they're sick, then the Bible says, watch this. The Bible says, uh, is is any sick among you? Then what? 
let him call for the elders of the church, okay, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is where we got that from in the church, where we anoint people with oil, okay, and we pray over them in the name of the Lord. So is there any sick among you, okay, any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Are we together? Call, right. Let them call. There we go. I was sick. And didn't nobody even call me. Let them call. Now we should now we should, you know, be conscious to check on people. Yeah. But the Bible say if you sick, call. Yeah. Okay? For the elders of the church. Yes. Now let's look at the elders. The elders are primarily the presbyters of the church, the senior leadership, the ministers, the elders, all those who really flow in leadership are the elders of the church. And I think that is right. But all believers should be trained to pray over the sick. Because you, you, you might have your daughter, son, your mama, anybody. Your, and as a, as a person who is becoming a minister in the Lord's church and who should function as a believer, you should be um, uh, uh, getting ready to do ministry on the outside. Y'all with me? Amen. To do ministry on the outside and to be ready to pray for people that are really sick. Amen? Amen. So uh, it says, <clears throat> let's read that verse 14 again, and we're going to wrap it up. Is any sick among you? Let him call, let him call for the elders of the church, and let, them, let him uh, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall what? Save the sick. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall what? Raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. You see that right there? When right. we talked about last week, it's important to really lead them in a prayer of repentance, mm-hmm. to really lead them in a prayer of understanding forgiveness, because sins, sins uh, is a hindrance to the manifestation of the healing uh, miracles of God. Okay. So if they if they've committed any sins, it shall be forgiven. And then he says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be what? Heal. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man does what? Availeth much. Um, the old saints used to say merch. It avails merch. Or in the in the uh in the um the Amplified Classic, you know, that's my version. It says something like the continued heartfelt prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. It is dynamic in its working in terms of dynamite and being powerful, but also dynamic in terms of it does, uh, it does many things, spontaneous things. Now, in music, when we talk about dynamics... Oh, I keep lowering my chair. Well, in music, when we talk about musical dynamics, dynamics would be, uh, uh, and then, uh, you know, so it's a forte, which is loud, and then you have uh, uh, 
piano or pianissimo uh, or, or mezzo forte, medium loud, or, you know, and so you have, those are dynamics, okay? So loud, soft, staccato, you know, staccato is short and, ha, da, 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 da. you know, as opposed to legato, you know, so those are dynamics. So the Bible says it's dynamic and it's working, that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous is dynamic. It does short things. It does long things. It does high, soft. It does wide. It does deep. So the, the, the prayers of the righteous are dynamic. And you know what it does? It does what is necessary in the life of that person. So, so that's why I say you cannot tell whether that prayer was effective by the response of the person. You have to believe by faith. Just because they didn't shout don't mean they didn't get it. Yeah, okay. And just because they fall out don't mean they got it. Yeah. Come on, church. Amen. That's good. Just because they start shaking don't mean they got yeah, delivered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might just be used to just doing that like that, shaking like that. Everybody fall out is not slain in the spirit. Amen. Some people, that's just how they receive. Just the culture of the church, they receive by, by, by just going out. And, and the ones that act like they done passed out and can't, can't hear, can't see or nothing, they really tickle me. They be like, I say, you better, <laughs> if you're going to fall out, you better check and make sure somebody behind you. Yes. <laughs> you know? Glory to God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, see, I try to demystify, demystify the, the ways we express uh, through our humanity, the presence of God. Because some people cry, some don't. Some dance, some don't. Some will fall out and faint, and, and some really pass out. You know, just go out. Some, some go out, they don't pass out, they're conscious and everything, they just, they just receive, they like to receive by laying out. And it ain't, no, it ain't nothing wrong with them laying out, just like ain't nothing wrong with you dancing. If your dance is all right, them laying out on the floor is okay. That's how they receive. Amen. And so I, I try to, you know, some people try to make big deals about every little thing. In the, quit it. Say, quit it. Quit trying, to, quit trying to argue about everything. And just let people express. That was this long, drawn-out conversation about, you know, uh, you know people have, they have clips and people capture people dancing in the spirit, doing their dance, you know, shouting or what have you. And some people are, are more polished in their dance and their presentation than others. And they automatically say, oh, that's fake. They just want to be seen. Maybe, maybe not. But if you, if you don't dance like that, if you, like, if you choose to go back in the corner and, and, and bang your head up against the wall, you call that a praise, then I ain't going to wear with you. I ain't going to do nothing to you. But if somebody want to come to the front and give God a praise and it's smooth, let them go. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody saying nothing about Beyonce. What's she doing? Showing up. Ain't nobody saying nothing about Lizzie. Well, they might be saying something about Lizzie. Lizzo. Well, Lizzo is a, is a new, uh, up new artist who she specializes in, in dancing with her rear out. That's her, that's her, that's her, that's, that's her signature. She dances with it out. That's her signature. And they be up in there with her. She done went all the way up to the tops of the chart. And she big, too. She is. But she, her, her signature is that she big and confident. I said, can't nobody be that confident. She just made it her mark, her branding, and she just gone with it. That's her moneymaker. Mm -hmm. So she happy about that. I'm not mad with it. I just can't look at it. 
Do your thing, Lizzo. I just can't look at it. Anybody enjoy, let them enjoy, but I can't look at it. <laughs> ah. So, but what I'm saying is, you lay hands on people, leave it up to God how they receive. Don't go pressing all on their head. Don't start slapping them all in the chest and in the back. You know, it's some, some people, you know, the old school, like right now, you know, uh, uh, mother, uh, mother Gertrude Stacks is, is pretty, um, pretty famous for that. You know, and she, she comes from a she come from a, a long line of uh, I call, we call them shots. You know, she comes from a long a long line of 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 uh, from like Mother Boyd era, and you have to be in the you have to be in Pentecost and have been in there for some time to know Mother Boyd and all that. And so Mother Boyd would she she sit in the chair. She she got older. She sit in the chair and people come up to get prayer for her and she slap them in the chest. You know, and they go out on, on the floor, bam. Bam, 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 bam. That's kind of what she did. She slapped him in the chest, and she uh, she would uh, tie handkerchiefs. So she had handkerchiefs. She'd tie a handkerchief around your neck, or they'd tie a towel around your neck, and safety pin. They kept safety pin. And and they pour oil on you. If you had a good weave, it was going to be undone that night. Because they pour that oil on there like they're like they not going to run out. They pour that oil. That's why they put the towel on you so the oil won't go on your clothes. <laughs> And then they go, pow, right in the chest. And I say, them people going out for more than one reason. They going out because they got a burning in their chest. <laughs> so, you know, and people, they like that culture and they like them. But I never really liked that. You know what I'm saying? And I come up from that school where they heavy handed. I never liked it. I felt like if, if the Holy Spirit's going to transmit, it'll transmit just, you know, if I, t- and then I have been talking to people and didn't touch them at all. I've been talking to people and they hit the floor, bam. It ain't got nothing to do with me. You know, that's, that is, <laughs> that is God. I was, we was doing ministry uh, and I'm closing. We was doing ministry at somewhere, maybe in Alabama. And, you know, I would, you know, at a certain time we got to leave it. We'd go around the, Go around the, the room and lay hands on people, you know. And I was just laying hands and passing by people. And I didn't never realize this. Until <laughs> somebody somebody called on video. Well, one girl I passed by, she flipped over the people. Like her feet was up like the wicked witch of the witch, like her heels was up in the air. And she was just I, I never touched her, I don't guess. And she was just it was so funny. <laughs> it was funny. But that's God. That's the work of the Lord. You know, you, that is not. And so we don't have, you don't have to try to force anything. Don't get into that. Because that's, that, 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 that's shameful. You know, you go pressing on people's head and, oh, and, you know, pushing them and, and, you know, pushing them. And, the, you know, I have gotten heavy handed with at a time or two, you know, with sons or, or daughters. But, but if it's people I don't know. If people I don't know, then no, I'm not going to do that. And you shouldn't either. Don't get heavy-handed. Just, you know, just touch them. With your tips on your finger. Of course, wash hands. I always say, keep you some hand sanitizer for before and after. You know, because when I, when I had to lay hands on a lot.